The Black Male Archives, where we capture, curate, and promote positive stories about black men. All right, thank you for being with us on another episode of the Black Male Archives. And we want to highlight Mr. Jamal Sylvester. Um, we wanted to talk to you today to see what you're doing in uh, the Indianapolis community. You have a mentorship program, so we wanted to talk to you about your, your community endeavors and just to see, you know, how you got this started and what's your passion for doing this. So, so if you can just tell us a little bit about yourself and um, what you're doing. Uh, so, <clears throat> once again, my name is Jamal Sylvester. Uh, I go by the speaking name. Uh, I do a lot of public speaking and motivational speaking uh, opportunities or I take advantage of those opportunities to impart and impact uh, people's lives. And so I call myself Mr. Me Too, uh, not to be confused uh, with the Me Too movement. Uh, but I've also been through some things and uh, I've been working with people uh, for the last 20 years, both youth and adults. And I found myself having, uh, in my one-on-one -on -one or in group discussions, as people were sharing uh, their lives and their lived experiences and their go through, I typically found myself saying, guess what, me too. Uh, and so uh, while I'm not minimizing their go through, uh, I do realize that we, we've all gone through things or we all will go through things, uh, but we have to, dig deep and we have to find uh, that, that inner, that intrinsic thing that'll allow us to get through it. And so uh, while I can empathize with what you'll go through, I can't let you off the hook because yeah. I understand uh, what's in front of you. And I also heard what you said you wanted. And I know that in order to get that, you have to work for that. But sometimes when you grow up in the hood, you don't always have a, you hear stories or you hear songs or you see movies, but you don't have anything tangible to be able to touch, to kind of see that, you know what, yes, I can. Uh, and so that's uh, what I've been motivated to do. Uh, I grew up, you know, without my dad. I grew up uh, in Chicago. I'm originally from Chicago, the west side of Chicago. And uh, as I began to get older, I, I started to, to, you know, wander off into adult activities. And my mom, uh, you know, had enough sense and loved me enough uh, that she sent me to Indiana, and I moved to South Bend, Indiana, uh, with my aunt. Uh, and my aunt took, you know, me and my siblings in uh, as her own, uh, and she raised us from, I think I was about 14, uh, and I just left South Bend uh, in August of 2016, so I had been in, in South Bend from 87 until 2016, so that was home. Chicago will forever be home, but South Bend was home longer than Chicago. I have to make sure that I always give give props and give a shout out to, to the 574 area code because uh, they are a lot of the reason why I am who I am and, and why I do a lot of what I do because I had people who uh, came into my life uh, and uh, they supported me, they loved me. Uh, they didn't always like the stuff that I was doing, uh, but they taught me that liking and loving is two different things. Uh, and so uh, regardless of what I was doing, whether they liked it or not, it didn't stop them from loving me. And I think that's what tends to happen uh, in our urban communities or, or even in our families. Man, the moment we do something wrong, we become black sheep or we get outcasted. And that's probably the time that we need to love the most. Right. Uh, and I think, you know, we need to work on that uh, because our young people, uh, as I've been working with them, 
man, not all of them are bad. Not all of them want to do the things that they're doing. But, man, why would I care about you or, or care about myself, man, when nobody's uh, afforded me those same things? And so, you know, they mad, and I get it. Uh, and so that's what I do, man. I wake up every day before my alarm clock go off. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not because of me, but because the work that I know that I have to do, and I know that I have the power, uh, even if it's just one person, uh, I, I know I have the power to breathe life into somebody and over somebody, and that's what I do. Yeah. And so how did you, what was the, was there one thing? Was there an incident? Was there a factor? Was there something that got you started on this path? Was it, was it just one day you, you woke up and you was like, this is what I want to do? What, or was it maybe multiple factors that started you on this path of helping? Uh, the- man, it was multiple, multiple factors, man. Uh, I'm on a, I'm a habitual line crosser, man, or at least I used to be. Uh, and so uh, I stepped in it a lot, man. And I made a lot of bad choices, and uh, those choices uh, had a lot to do with my environment and my circumstances. Uh, there's a quote, and I'm not sure uh, who wrote it, uh, but I'm kind of paraphrasing it. But it said, "Don't don't judge me on my decisions when you don't know the choices that I had to choose from." Mm-hmm. And you you hear it. I've even found myself doing it, uh, you know, in my time of working with young people. Uh, and I, I'm sure that people did it to me, but, you know, we we forget about, for some people, what if I only got three bad choices? Mm-hmm. And it's easy for me to say, oh, boy, you know, hush and, you know, put your big boy pants on. And, you know, we say all of those different, you know, little, little uh, sayings. Uh, but the reality is for a lot of our young people, they only got three bad choices and they got to pick the best one out of the three bad ones because they have things that they need to do that they have to do. And so I have to make a decision or I have to make a choice and it's a calculated choice. I, you know, and so out of these three bad ones, which one is going to give me less time? Right. Which one is not going to, you know, afford me uh, the worst, you know, amount of trouble. And so, you know, I think sometimes we forget about that and we often forget when we were young, and we were put in situations where, man, it really, it wasn't no good, you know, it wasn't no good way to, you know, move around this. This thing was in front of me. I had to deal with it. And so I made the decision based on what I knew and what had been given to me. And then based on, you know, what was in front of me, how can I come out of this thing unscathed, mm. period. Yeah. Uh, and so for me, you know, I, I, I worked through that. Uh, and, you know, I did it in high school. Uh, I, I was fortunate enough uh, to perfect my craft in basketball and was awarded uh, a scholarship to go to Ball State University and even at, at college. Uh, you know, I always lay down in my bed and, and had dreams about getting out the hood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I did it. I, I, I afforded myself that opportunity because I worked. Right. Uh, and I worked and I got there. And then when I got there, those situations or those types of scenarios uh, still presented themselves to me, but now I'm not in my safety net. I'm not at home. Yeah, I'm in a foreign land. I'm somewhere where I don't know nobody. I just got here, right. and so now I have to make a bad decision uh, in, a, in, a, in an area or environment where I'm not comfortable. And so yeah. that you know that's absolutely gonna turn out bad. And so out of my four years at Ball State, I only played one full season. Uh, I got kicked off the team freshman year, sophomore year, 
uh, junior year, uh, I played. We had a great year, man. We went to the NCAA, NCAA tournament. I was able to play against Kansas in Chicago at the Rosemont Horizon. Oh, wow. Man, God is the repairer of the breach, man. He let me go back home, man. People didn't even know where I was or what I was doing. And so that was great, man. And going into my senior year, I was, you know, I was the big man on campus. It was my turn. I paid my dues. Yeah. And, man, I was playing really good. And uh, uh, December 15th, I was at NCAA News. Man. I was ranked 27th in the next year. And it wasn't three days, maybe four days later, in practice, man, I'm frustrated. We were losing. Uh, and I got frustrated, and I punched my teammate. and got kicked off the team my senior year. And so I know something about messing up, man. I, I, when I talk to young people, I don't talk from nothing that I read in a book while I'm educated. And I know those things, and I do read, and I uh, inform myself on, you know, what's going on because that's important. But a lot of what I talk to young people about or just people in general is about my lived experiences, man. I, I feel like I can come stand in front of y'all because I've been there, done that. And so when I say I feel you, I really feel you because mm -hmm. I did it. And that's why I feel like I can call myself Mr. Me Too. And you got to put the Mr. on it because I'm 47. So it's 47 years of this. So yeah. I earned the missing title. <laughs> That's so true, man. That's so true. So, so okay. So tell me about what, what you what you're doing in Indianapolis and everything. Okay. So now I work for Employee Indy. Uh, we're the Workforce Development Board uh, for Marion County, and uh, I work with 16 to 24 year old uh, young adults uh, who may have dropped out of school for whatever reason. It wasn't because they couldn't do the work. For some, it was, but for most. It was because life happened, uh, and, you know, we try to get them re-engaged uh, with their educational endeavors and get them back in school if they can complete their diploma. Uh, we have partnerships with uh, various partners around the city, uh, Goodwill, Crystal House Doors, uh, who can afford them their high school diploma. But if they're so far behind because they may have quit school in middle school or their freshman year, uh, and they need money right now or they need to make some power moves right now, then we get them connected uh, with our adult basic education partners uh, and help them get their high school equivalency diploma uh, mm -hmm. so that they can begin to get on a career path, man, because a lot of them quit school because they need money. And it wasn't that school is not important. It's, I need some money. I had a baby. I got to take care of my baby. I've exhausted all of my resources. My, my parents have, have, have put me out or they're no longer with me. Uh, I've alienated other people, you know, who were in my corner, and so I don't have a support system, and I, I have to take care of my baby, and so I got to go get a job. And so, you know, we try to help them in those situations and, and wrap support, uh, supportive services uh, around them and barrier uh, busting dollars around them to kind of help remove those obstacles uh, that oftentimes keep our young people uh, from progressing uh, and uh matriculating through the different uh, resources and programs that are available here in the city. And then, so uh, this conversation has been really good because I've been able to hear like your story, how you got into it and what you're doing now. What keeps you, I mean, what keeps you going doing this? I mean, the work seems like it could get tiring. And then what, what motivates you to continue to, to talk to the youth? And, and yeah, go ahead. It, it, so it, it it's very uh, tiring, man, and uh, you 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 definitely it, it's hard not to let this type of work attach itself to. Uh, and so 
uh, I have to take care of me, and I haven't always done that. I've always been big on making sure that everybody else was okay. That's the people that I work with. That's the people in my family. That's the people who come uh, into my my ecosystem who have a need. Uh, I feel like God bless me with a set of skills that uh, anytime someone comes into my vicinity, man, if, if I, my spidey sense is tangled, and I feel like I got the skill set to meet that need, then that's what I'm going to do because I feel like that's what, what God put me here to do. And I don't, while this is a job for me and I get paid to do it, it's truly a calling. And I'm glad I found my purpose and I found uh, what it is that, you know, he intended for me to do. And it's funny how what I want and what he wanted, it aligned itself. And, and once I realized that, things have become so much easy for me. When I was trying to do me and then I was just kind of peeking at what he wanted me to do. And I wasn't, you know, doing, you know, both or I wasn't doing what he wanted me to do. My life was so much harder. And now that I've, you know, come to the agreement that I can't run from him, uh, it's going to be his will and it's going to be his way, you know, and I just kind of, and really what I end up doing is getting out of my own way. And because I know that there's some more Jamal uh, and there's some more, you know, young men and young women uh, who, uh, not just in Indianapolis, in, you know, across the United States who have gone through or are going through, you know, some tough situations. And sometimes, man, all you need is a word or a hand on the shoulder to say, man, I love you and I'm here with you. It doesn't always take a lot of money. Uh, and sometimes we get caught up in thinking that it takes stuff. Man, it takes love and time, man. If you can spend some time with somebody and build up some trust equity uh, with a person, man, uh, you got a friend for life. And so I believe that, and that's why I do what I do, uh, because I know that I have the power to change somebody's life. And know uh, the money that we provide to the different organizations that provide these different programs and services to these kids, it's not my money. But, you know, I know that I made that connection, and so I can feel good about the work that I do. Not that I want credit for it or I need my name in life. That's not why I do it. Uh, you know, I, I did that with basketball, and it, it afforded me some attention, uh, but I also got myself into trouble for chasing that. And so I'm not chasing things. I'm chasing souls, and I want to save lives. And, you know, that's why I do what I do. Man, that's awesome. Is there a, a, a certain situation that comes to mind that you can recall off the top of your head that was really just – it kind of blew your mind that you were, you were going through that experience? Yeah. Uh, so after after college, uh, I ended up leaving school early because after I punched my teammate and got into trouble, uh, I had some some supportive uh, people, you know, back home in South Bend who were able to fight and get me back to school. So I went back into school, uh, and it wasn't it was less than sixty days later, man. I punched somebody else. Uh, I had an anger problem, man. I was mad at how my my situation was. I was mad. Uh, and my dad not being there, man, I was mad at, you know, my mom. And I, I love both my parents dearly. Uh, I love them to death, man. Uh, I am who I am because of them. And, uh, you know, as I got older, I began to understand why they did a lot of the things that they did. And so I have no ill feelings, you know, towards them. But at the time, we're talking about 19, 20 years old. And I was mad as hell at them, man. And so I was angry. And when you come up how I came up, man, I, I didn't have no money to go on those shopping spree to go, you know, kind of ease those pains by going, you know, shopping and buying stuff that I wanted, man, I fought. And so when I was mad, I put my hands on people. I'm not saying that it's right or that I'm proud of it, but 
you know, I punched two people, man, in less than 60 days, man, and it changed my whole life, man. And, and so I had to leave school without completing my degree. I left in the middle of the night because I had charges pressed against me. I got sued for a million dollars, and Ball State got sued for a million dollars because they felt like it was Ball State's fault because Ball State knew that I had just punched somebody less than 60 days later, and they felt like Ball State didn't, didn't protect uh, that those other students or that student that I hit, man, and it changed my life, man, and it changed the trajectory of my life. But it also allowed me to find out what I was good at. I thought that I was here to play basketball. Mm -hmm. And really, I was minimizing my gift, man. That was just something that he gave me to do for me. What I do right now is what he wanted me to do for him. Uh, and so I'm glad I figured that out. Mm -hmm. But had I not gone through those things, I wouldn't know it, man. So I'm thankful for my struggles, because without my struggles, I wouldn't know my strength. Yeah. And, and what do you so what do you tell these young people how to control their emotion? Because it's all these the, with the Internet and the social media and everything. How do you how do you coach these these, these youth to, to control their their emotions and their anger so they won't end up? First off, I, I, I quickly agree with that. You have a right to be mad. I don't want to ever take that away from them. Uh, and I think that that's where we've gone wrong. I rem I grew up in an age where when you was crying as a boy, your uncles or your dad or your OGs, they punched you in the chest and told you quit crying. Mm -hmm. Well, after two or three years of that, I've I become a monster. Now I'm immune and I now I can't show emotion because it's a, where I grew up in, that's a sign of weakness or that you saw. And so we've created these hardcore, but it was our fault. He used to cry. Now he don't cry no more, and now we want to say there's something wrong with him. Well, we did that to him because he used to express himself. God gave us all of those emotions for a reason. He allowed us to feel sad and feel happy and feel scared and be excited and cry for a reason. We, we are built to utilize every last one of those uh, emotions, and when we don't, it's, uh, it becomes damaging. Mm -hmm. Because then uh, you build that stuff up and it always comes out at the wrong time and it typically comes out on the wrong person. And so I just, you know, agree with their anger uh, and I, I share my own personal stories, uh, not because I feel like, you know, people call them war stories. Man, I don't call it a, a war story if somebody can learn from it. Mm -hmm. And so I share and then we talk. And then I try to help them through their situations, and we go through there. And so I don't do role plays. I do real plays. And we talk about real-life scenarios and things that are going on in their lives. And then we talk it through as a group. And we allow them to kind of, you know, find the answer. I think too many times we try to get them the answer, and that's why they never get it right, because you gave them the answer. Right. I think that's what happens with school. Uh, that's why school is not fun, because kids are not a part of the learning. And so we gotta we gotta make our kids be a part of the learning and allow them to you know okay we can be there to assist and I can and oftentimes we over suggest and so I don't want to over suggest I want to say you know what well, hey you headed in the right direction let's talk a little bit more about that why do you feel like that if you ask why five times you're gonna get your answer mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so that's what we do man and we get to the bottom of it and it doesn't mean that they're gonna do it right the next time they encounter that because we're talking about 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 years of trauma, of, you know, being misunderstood, being mistreated. But you can't undo that in one good, feel-good session. 
Church can't undo that on one Sunday. It takes time. And so if you're going to do this work, you got to be willing to be in it for the long haul. It's like a sprint. It's a marathon. Yeah. And have you, have you, you having a, um, a time or uh, a memory of maybe one of the, um, the kids that you were helping out, they were, they came in one way and then they left the totally another way with the skills that you gave them? I have countless memories of them, man. I worked in the DOC and juvenile corrections for 10 years. All of my kids, they find me. I move, I get emails, or I get text messages, and I'm like, who is this? Or just such and such, man. Remember you had me at, at South Bend Juvenile Correctional Facility. But, you know, just to kind of, you know, move this along, I just recently taught a class. Uh, it was 22 young people who came through this class who were able to graduate, and it's called the Power Model. And it's a, it's a mindset kind of experience. It was over eight weeks, and I met with them. I taught them every Friday for two hours. Mm -hmm. I had uh, two, two separate groups, uh, and we just had their graduation yesterday over at the Finish Line Boys and Girls Club. Oh, and a young lady uh, from the class was asked, you know, to speak on behalf of the class. And, you know, you, know you, you do this work, and, you know, like I said, I don't do it for the accolades, but it always feels good, man, when the people that you serve or the people that you're working with uh, let you know how much they appreciate what you do for them and how you inspire them. And to hear this young lady's, these were her words, uh, no one helped her with them, this is how she felt. And to hear her say, you know, Mr. Sylvester, you know, he inspired me. He, he told me uh, that I was a queen and that I didn't have to settle for less. And, and, and so here's what I'm doing with my life now. And I came into this class hopeless and, you know, I, I felt less than and I didn't feel worthy. And now I know what I am. I know that I'm a queen and I'm starting my CMA classes and, you know, just all of this. And to hear her say that I inspired her. Man, this is why I do what I do, man, because they inspire me. Man, that's powerful, man. That's powerful. And um, I commend you for the work that you're doing. And I want, before we go, can you tell the listeners where they can uh, get more information about what you're doing and how they can follow you on social media? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, on LinkedIn, uh, it's Jamal Sylvester, J-E-E-R-M-A-L. Last name S Y L V E S T E R. I'm on Instagram at Mr. Underscore Me Underscore Two. That's T O O Underscore Indy. That's on Instagram, uh, and you can reach out uh, anytime, man. Please friend me, follow me, so you can, you know, stay stay in tune to what I'm doing for the program that I'm currently working with uh, with Employ Indy. Go to Yes Indy. Dot org yes indy 317 i take that back it's yes indy 317.org yes indy 317.org we have a lot of great things going on we have 11 uh service providers who we're connected to who we've given funding to that can help the 16 to 24 year old population who's either dropped out of school or those who may have graduated high school but they're kind of stuck. They haven't done anything in the last six months or year or two years, and they still fit in that age group. Man, come get with one of our organizations, man, so we can help. Uh, the reason why we called it uh, Yes Indy uh, is because while a lot of our young people don't feel like they can, we feel like, yes, you can. And so we want you to be a part of our organization so that we can help you 
move from where you are to where you want to be. And then on a personal note, I do motivational speaking. And so if you have engagement, uh, you have you serve organizations, uh, you service Sundays, uh, anything, man, anything dealing with young people or dealing with people in general who are kind of going through it, man, and need someone to come through and kind of raise their uh, emotions, raise their uh, awareness, uh, and just kind of impact them, man, and let them know that, man, it's okay. The go-through is real, but it's your go-through, and you got to get through it to get to what you want to get to. And so, you know, I, whatever I can do to help you, that's what I'm here to do. Uh, and once again, I want to thank you for this opportunity. Uh, it's been great, man. I always love, you know, having the opportunity, you know, to share and, you know, just kind of shed some light on who I am and what I've gone through and where I'm at now and, and where I'm headed, man. And, uh, thank you. Hey, man, this has been a pleasure. I appreciate you taking your time. Um, we, the Blackmail Archives is where we capture, curate, and, and promote a positive stories about black men, which you are one of, which you're doing great work in the community. So again, thank you for that. And um, we have you back in the future to hear some more updates. But for right now, thank you and uh, have a good holiday. And I appreciate you being on the uh, the podcast. Uh, no problem. You do the same. <laughs>